Welcome, world, and welcome to episode two of Chance and the Kraken. I am Chance. I write the games of Chance.blogspot.com. It is a fantastic blog full of all the gaming reviews anyone could possibly want. Joining me, as always, is Alex of DailyCrackpot.blogspot.com. Alex, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Um, just got done with my best run in Slay the Spire. Okay, it, define best run. Best run, I got the farthest. There's like, huh. I think there's, it's Binding of isaac so there's like four worlds, I think. Okay. I'm halfway through world three. Oh, not bad. But I then you died. died. How many times have I died? At no, least. I mean like halfway through world three, did you die or are you still on your run? I'm still on it. Oh, okay. I'm like at death's door. It's not going to go much further, but it's still my best. Okay. Yeah. Um... What did I play? I played... Uh, well, for, okay, before we get into this, yeah. there's a cartoon. I've been playing Banner Saga, first of all. We'll get to that later. Yeah. I've been playing Banner Saga, and when I play something on my Switch, like, for example, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, which we'll also get to, um, I tend to have something on the TV. And usually that's something I don't really care about. It just has to be inoffensive. Uh, um, Parks and Rec is fantastic for this. Just putting it on every now and then you look over, oh, Leslie, you're so silly, but you have a good heart. And, you know, you, you move on. It's great. Um, but what I put on as I was playing Banner Saga the last couple nights is this new sci-fi cartoon on uh, Netflix called Final Space. Have you heard of this? Have you checked this out at yeah, all? Yeah, it's been on TBS. It's not on our Netflix yet, and the reviews I've been seeing and like the clips I've seen, I don't really have that strong a feeling about it. But if it popped up on Netflix, I would give it a shot. If I saw a clip of this show, I wouldn't give a shit about it. Yeah. And and again, I I haven't watched it. I've wa- I sat down and watched the last episode when I got to it. Um, cause the the comedy itself, it's not as good as Futurama. Yeah, yeah, it was it was killing me, man. Yeah, it's not as smart as Futurama. No one near. It's it it takes kind of the same trope of here's an idiot in space and here's this girl that he's obsessed with and she is very capable and tough and is actually takes things very seriously and you know here's here's a wacky cast of side characters and the guy you you really hate the guy like he's just uh, just a he's a Trumpian idiot. Like, very completely self-absorbed, uh, you know, is one of these guys who hits on a girl in terrible ways and does not stop when she makes it very clear she's not interested. Um, and so the, the comedy of the show is really its weakest point, but what's incredible about the show, um, I think, is the way it does an arc across the season where every single episode, a sci-fi event happens that is on par with, like, something that should happen at the end of a season. Huh. Every single episode. And while Futurama was amazing at doing the kind of highbrow sci-fi but making it hilarious, and every now and again there would be this beautiful moment kind of celebrating the the epicness of space and something really incredible happening, every now and then that would happen. You know, like I think about Bender drifting through the cosmos becoming God, right? Oh, that's, like, that's one of my favorites. That's right, moments like that. This show has one of those moments every single episode, and every time it goes out to have one of those moments, it fucking nails it. Okay. Okay, it is, so, like, is there a moment that's on par with Fry writing I love you, Leela, with stars? Okay, well, that's, you know... That's a high bar. That's, that's a very high bar. No, no. Like, I, I, okay. wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't quite go that far with it, but, but every time I looked over and one of those moments was happening... It was beautiful and it felt huge. The animation even though I, looks great. The animation is quite good, and uh, and the, the the action choreography is quite good. Mm. Um, 
And what's and but again, what most impressed me by the end of the season was the way all of these characters had a real arc. Like every single one had a real cool arc. Um, you even kind of get the sense by the end of the season that this fucking idiot asshole is going to become like maybe like a cool. Uh, I, I don't want to say uh, I don't want to say Han Solo, but Lone Star from Spaceballs, maybe yeah. you know, kind of like that. Like I, by the end of it, I really liked it. And again, I say this having only watched the final episode. Everyone else, I was fucking playing on my Switch and glancing over. Oh, and going, I get it. oh wow! But yeah, like so, I I can't really give it a full stamp of approval. It's no Futurama in its prime, but you know, Futurama in the last couple of seasons was no Futurama in its prime. Um, this is I, this is an alternative. This is something. It's new. It's fresh. It's I, I liked it. It made me I, want to go watch um, Space Dandy again, but it was really good. It well, sounds like really. a nice antidote to just the relentless nihilism of Rick and Morty. Absolutely, it really is. It's it's really wonderful. And the thing is, like, it's not necessarily a very happy show either. Like uh, characters you care about just fucking die in this show. Oh fuck, really? Yes, yes, and but it does it in ways where those are those are a huge meaningful sci-fi moment death. Okay, like, you know it, what? Yeah. Yes, it's it's yeah. Like I can't. There's a lot about this show that I'm not thrilled about, mainly the main character. But um, I, I can't hate this show. I really liked it. Well, bring it back to Parks and Rec. One of my favorite things about it is just how story-driven it is. Yeah, and and the way like Leslie's arc just goes and goes and goes. You could say Ron had one too. I mean, you certainly could say April had one. But yeah. Andy. And Andy. Yeah, the entire episode just really wrapped everything up in a nice little bow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so video games. Yes. Um, so I finished Captain Toad. There's there's a review up on the blog, but by the time I got to the end of Captain Toad, I was a lot less happy with Captain Toad than I was when I was in the middle of it. Nintendo games tend to have that effect on me. You know, I didn't. I it it made me want to go play Odyssey. And um and I it didn't it didn't really do that to me until after I'd beaten the full game, and I was getting really tired of what they were doing with the levels. By the end, by the end, the levels aren't cute anymore. They're like you got to race against the clock, or you're gonna die, and you better not make any mistakes, or you're gonna die, and do this whole That's thing not, over. That doesn't sound like treasure tracking. That's not what I came to this game for. Yeah. That's not what's most enjoyable about this game. It's, you know, it's like trying to make you do a boss fight, and there are literal boss fights in this game, but it's, it was less pleasant than it was in, for those first two chapters. It really, really was. And then once you get to the bonus content afterwards, they are levels that directly pull from the worlds of Super Mario Odyssey. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to go play through Super Mario Odyssey. <laughs> so I played through like the first half of Odyssey and then decided I wanted an RPG. So I downloaded the Count Lucanor on Switch, huh. which is kind of... I, I don't even know that it's actually a, an action Metroidvania. I think it's more like a almost a point-and-click adventure Metroidvania with really cool-looking cool pixel art. That's just kind of how it presents itself. I don't think there's actually combat. I know you can die, but it's very much atmospheric, stuff like that. I didn't play it. Because then I turned around and played Banner Saga. And before we get into Banner Saga... Okay, Slay the Spire. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to go over with Slay the Spire? Um, yeah. It's, uh... You, you can't really play it like turn-based game. Okay. It's a card game. You have to play the hand you're dealt. And that's really hard to adjust to. I can't, you know, defend what I want to defend. I can't attack exactly when I want to attack. Mm. And the part of leveling up is getting, like, these things called artifacts, which are, like little objects that like have rule changes like take this and you'll have one extra turn at the end of your turn but you won't be get as many reward cards at the end of a fight Ew. it's a, it ends up being a better trade-off okay um being able to like 
Okay, so like, there's some cards that like do a incredible amount of damage, but they take like three action costs. And you will, let's say you only really have three action costs for one turn, that really turns you off. Mm -hmm. So there's this one object that completely randomizes the charge costs of all your cards forever. Ooh. And that's, uh, yeah, it sounds awful, right? It sounds it has the potential to be awful. What if, like, a bread and butter is now five points? Well, that's what I thought. And I started this whole, my best run with that instead of my normal starting thing. One of the things you do, if you get far enough, you get weird little risk-reward rewards, like I'll lose your starting ability, which heals me every turn for something that's a super rare boss relic. Okay. And that was the thing that randomizes the charge cost. And what ha ended up happening is... At least once every three turns, I would get an incredible amount of damage for free. Hmm. Like, I would ending a boss like three turns early, once every third turn, like just an incredible amount of damage that didn't even take any of my like charges. Like it, hmm. that, like that's it paid you off. Have to, yeah, you have to rethink what you actually need. I thought that sounded like the worst. I would have never picked that. Me neither. And it ended up being one of the best relics in the game. Hmm. But of course, next time you use it, it might not work out quite so well. Maybe not. Yeah. This game is amazing. Hmm. It's 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 evil random number number random you know generated, but I'm having so much fun with it. I respect it when it outplays me like that. Hmm. It's you a really good game. As someone who loves Darkest Dungeon, you know that that's not entirely unappealing to me. This is ve this is very Darkest Dungeony, except I, you know take out the amazing character design, obviously. And I do recognize that I think that's a weakness of this podcast's cast. Hmm. Because me and Chamberlain hated different games and and always loved different games. We were always disagreeing with each other. You and I, we tend to have good taste. Oh, oh, come on. We do. Just because he broke our hearts with Hollow Knight doesn't mean we need to get snippy. Oh, no, no, we're not getting... No, I'm saying that that conflict is a good thing. It makes for good And you know, no, no, good no, it's just yeah, exactly. I like. I, I need my Ebert. Wait, am I Siskel? No, I'm Ebert. I'm no, the good one. No, you're way more positive. Yeah, I'm. Time. Yeah, I'm. De I'm definitely the good one, and he's yeah. he's the he's the evil skinny one <laughs> who can, who like does rock climbing and exercising. Um, and uh, so so yeah, like every time you every time you're you're talking about a game that like that we totally agree on, I'm thinking I have to play devil's advocate on this somehow. Yes, <laughs> there has to be there has to be something shitty about this. And really, having not played the game, I can only point out that that is atrocious presentation. It's. It's bad. It's bad. But it, it, bad it the game. music's great. Hmm. The music's really good. It does make a huge difference. Like, it, it, first it sounds a lot more... Like, it, the early tracks sound kind of amateur but then some of the boss themes and some of the later areas, it's decent. Like, it's hmm. chill, but it's got a nice rhythm to it. Did you buy this? Is this early access? Uh, yeah, it was like it was like 10 bucks. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's usually 15 I think. Is it on Switch? I think it's just Steam. Is it early access, or yeah. is it finished? Oh, okay. Okay. Access. But like, uh, what's it? Um, I think, oh, some not GameSpot, but some major site reviewed it and get it at ten. Wow. Yeah. How can you give a How can you give a game a ten with that presentation? That's bullshit. It's, presentation is a point. It is a point one way or the other. You can't, it is mechanically stunning. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm not saying that's not wonderful. Like, but like a, a chessboard is mechanically stunning. You end up, I can't rate a ten out of ten for presentation. You it has no voice acting. You have to respect... That's a tiny bit. That isn't actually that bad. I'm, I'm saying a chessboard doesn't. It's my analogy. Yeah. It's my analogy. A, a game with graphics that shitty, unless it's like... 
intentionally shitty. We're making a choice. We're reflecting this particular historical style because uh, because our narrative echoes the socio-political times. Like, I, fine. I, I, I you would know, describe this as, if you ever go to, like, a car show and you see that car that's, like, a real amateur job, but it's actually really fast and mechanically interesting, you're like, you know what? I respect the effort you put into that. that okay, well, that is an endearing car, I'll agree. Yeah. Still, I mean, I, like, I can't I can't imagine giving a game 10 out of 10 just on mechanics. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I'm leaning towards 8.5, but a, hey, check this out, 8.5. Damn. Yeah. I kind of hope this studio, like, does a sequel with, uh, you know, a budget. I, I would imagine. I would imagine Hearth. If I was designing Hearthstone right now, I'd be looking over my shoulder a little bit. Hmm. At least for, like, another event. Like, this is, like, an adventure mode given, like, a game, like, mechanics and loot and shit. It's really good. That is actually an interesting way to come back to Captain Toad. Hmm. Because Captain Toad really... Another way to put it, Captain Toad kind of feels like a mini-game that they turned into a full game. Oh, I just checked the store page. It's now up to overwhelmingly positive with 14,000 reviews. Look, I'm not saying the reviewers have it wrong. No, it's, it's worth your time. I'll never and play some of the Some of the character designs are interesting enough. You know I don't game on PC, son. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it, it it will come to Switch, I'm sure. If it's if it's not on Vita Switch or PS4, I'm not playing it. And if yeah. it's on PS4 and it's not Overwatch, I'm probably not playing it. Thank like I'm frankly worried about Guacamelee too. <laughs> what? What was wrong with Guacamelee too? It's on PS4. <laughs> it's not on Switch. It's not on Vita. It's not an. It's it's just on PS4. That's right. They like they uh, Drinkbox has always had a very close relationship with Sony. Uh, you'll remember Severed came out on Vita before anything else. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So, uh, and then, like, eventually it came to Switch, eventually it came to smartphone, shit like that. But they've always been super tight with Sony. And so Guacamelee 2 is absolutely a timed exclusive on PS4. It'll shock me if it doesn't come to everything else in about a year, but timed exclusive for Sony, absolutely. Hmm. And not on Vita. Because I can't have nice things. <laughs> nope. No, you no. can't. No, I can't. How dare you love something special? <sighs> well, I mean, you know what? After Hollow Knight, I feel like. And the thing is, I love Guacamelee. I love Guacamelee. I don't think I've played any game as many times over any single player linear game. I have never played as many times as I've played Guacamelee. Like, maybe Okami, but I don't even think, because Okami's like fucking 30 hours long. I played the shit out of Guacamelee. I loved that game. Just the act of playing it was pure pleasure, even though I'd already done it literally 20 times. Um, Is the DLC good? Yes, yeah, the DLC was really good. All right, and like it, it's and the the part where you challenge the devil or whatever it was, like there's a series of challenge rooms where you go down to hell, and the devil has like a bunch of challenge rooms set up. Like you better like there's it asks you to do things that you never even thought were possible in the in the main game, uh, but the but the core mechanics were all there and you just never used it. Like some late Super Meat Boy, how the fuck am I supposed to do that sort of thing? Precisely so. Just absolutely so. They were absolutely ridiculous challenges. Never did beat that. But they also added some new areas to the game that were... um, You can't say indistinguishable from the rest of the game because these are new, vibrant guacamole areas. Like, they don't look like anything else in the game, but they fit right in. Like, it feels like... It feels like you wouldn't... If someone told you that there was a section of the game that was added in later, you would not call it this was it. Because it just feels like it was always there. It was. They did an amazing job. I love Drinkbox. That's the best kind. Like even Dark Souls, it felt a little tacked on. Yeah. I never got into any Dark Souls DLC. Not once. Some of ever. it wasn't great. I know. Um, two of the uh, Dark Souls twos were amazing. Yeah. 
And Dark Souls 3s were just okay. Oh, really? That's too bad. Yeah. Great final boss. That's about it. Hmm. So, um, Banner Saga. Yes. Have you ever played Banner Saga? I haven't, but I bet I'd like it. Do you have a copy? I do not. Um, you know, check out the price of that on Steam. It should be like 15 The first ten, one? Actually, should, I don't know. The first one should be 10 or 15 or less. Mm. It's been years. There's already two sequels yeah. coming out. Two? Yeah, I think uh, I think you bucks. I think you would absolutely fucking love this. I think you would absolutely love this game. And now keep in mind, Banner Sega came out on Switch months ago. I think around E3 or a little, little bit after, a little bit before. Pardon me. Did it come out on PS4 before? Because like it says 2014, that seems yes. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it's been out on PS, PS4 for a while, and actually I bought it on PS4 with the intention of not playing it, because it was going to be crossed by with the Vita version that never arrived. If, yeah, I feel like it's older than 2014. No, it's it's old, but it was kickstarted like way back in the day. Yeah. And uh, so I never played it on PS4. It finally came out on Switch. I checked it out, and the, the oh, rules... It's it It's it's, uh, it's a very... I see, I see Jotun. Yes, but it's well. I wouldn't call them Jotun. The in the the game they're called Varl. They are a race of giants with horns, and the Varl live in in peace with humans, and they travel the land in caravans. Um, and each caravan is uh, it's it's run by a single leader and their family, and the the banner that each caravan carries uh, is is a tapestry of all the accomplishments of this family going back through all their history. It's a beautiful kind of thought and a beautiful device, right? And there's a, there's a clan of Jotun, or a, a clan of Varl, nah. who are traveling from See, the western side of the planet. better, doesn't it? Uh, it yeah. rolls off the tongue. Yep. There, there's a clan of Varl traveling from uh, west to east, and after a chapter and a half with them, you go over to a human on the far eastern side of the of the continent and this guy is really interesting like the varl is all it's all like political intrigue with a bunch of names you don't recognize and a bunch of places they're talking about that you don't know what the fuck they're talking about and then it goes over to the human guy with his human problems and suddenly i'm really into the story but again the first time i played it i bounced off the mechanics i bounced off the combat because it was it's just really hard for me it was really hard for me to see on the screen you know what? Are, what is, what's my enemy's health at? What is my health at? Um, the way it's like you can't pan the camera around, so sometimes one guy's health thing will be hidden behind another guy's health thing, yeah. and there is no recourse for this. Like there's no solution that I can find. Um, it's really actually quite frustrating. And there were rules about um, about a thing called will that you can get, and will allows you to move an extra space or two when you move, or it allows you to deal an extra point or two of damage when dealing damage, or give additional effects to special moves. It's really, really important, but I didn't understand, like, I couldn't even see where my character's will was. I have this one character now who's basically carrying every fight I do, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have any will to add to any attacks. I don't understand why. I really want this guy to be able to deal extra damage because he's sick, he's amazing! Uh, but but I anyway, um, so What's I bounce. He just hits like a truck. Right. He's got a huge health pool, and your health pool is how much damage you deal. And so, as someone reduces your health, you deal less damage. Oh, I hate that. And it That's becomes like hugely important because let's say the enemy has nine armor, and you have ten health. Because they have nine armor, you will hit them for one damage. 
And like they, their damages go down. Their health is reduced by one, so therefore oh. they do less damage to you. So, but you can attack armor directly. And it's really hard to break armor, um, but you reduce armor, and now this guy has five armor, and you do 10 damage. So now, and he has 10 health, so you do five damage to him, unless you add two points of will. Now you've done seven damage to him, now he can only do three damage on his next turn. It's really, compl so, so it's will really complicated. Like, yeah. It's really complicated. And the first time I played it, again, it was too much, uh, I don't understand why I'm dying here, this game fucking sucks. Fuck Banner Saga, and I sent it packing. And then, having completed um, Captain Toad, I really felt like I wanted an RPG for some reason, so I downloaded Count Lucanor, and then it occurred to me, you know what, I have Banner Saga right here, I might as well give it another try. And I sunk into this game. I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. I, think, I mean, I put up with a lot for a good story. Well, the, yeah, the story is really, really good. The story presentation is incredible. Uh, the writing is really, really good. You would love the Don writing Bluth, in this Lord game. Of the Rings, it's really good. Very much, very kind of like that. And um, and the writing, even when it's like, whether it's the Varls or the humans, the writing is very human. The writing is very... Um, it, these guys don't feel like they're guys talking about the end of the world and great heroics and blah, 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 blah. Right, they're not walking codexes. They're people with needs and they're, they're people with problems. They're really people with problems, and they get frustrated, and they make shitty decisions sometimes, and they make mistakes, and some of the characters are really flawed. Some of the characters are really cool and mysterious. Um, the, uh, the, the guy who, uh, the human from the East... Um, he is not a nobleman or anything like that. He's a hunter. He's like the he's like the official hunter for his village, the the Lord Hunter or whatever. And he he has this daughter that I I think I took a screenshot of his bio because I thought, holy shit, I need to read this on the podcast. And of course, I never never wrote it down. Whatever. Um, but he he failed to save his wife all those years ago, and now he's torn between the need to prepare his daughter to survive in this harsh world. And the desire to not repeat the same mistake he made with his wife. And uh, and his daughter is an amazing archer. You want her on your fucking team. Because she very quickly kind of, you realize that she can break damn it, or she can break armor with her arrows really well. You don't want to leave her behind. You don't want her to get hurt. Uh, so you, you become really, really invested. And once you start to understand the combat, it feels like, uh, it, getting it right feels like XCOM to me. Ooh, you said the magic word. I know I did. I know mm. I did. It feels like that. And a huge part of it is the Varl take up four square tiles. A human only takes up one. And where you can go is entirely dictated by whether or not there's someone standing there or not. So a Varl can really be like a, a shield for these humans dealing damage behind them. But the humans don't have nearly as much armor as a Varl, so if someone flanks a human, it'll take two hits from one of the meaner enemies in this game to kill a human. Um, it's the, the combat is really deep, and you end up getting a bunch of interesting uh, special abilities depending on the class. And you, you don't pick the classes that come in, just the people show up that you may or may not want to let join you. And they all have a story, they all have a deal, they all have alliances that may not be with you. And as you travel along, as your caravans like slowly travels the land, um, you get into all these encounters. And some of the encounters are scripted, and this will always happen. And um, and that's and you make these decisions, and you hope it turns out for the best, and you never really know if this is going to really bite you in the ass in like three or four days. Where this decision you made, you hear back from the guy that you sent off to scout or something. What and was that? Um... This sounds kind of like uh, that game Chamberlain really liked from um, 
a super giant. Oh, super giant. It was a, it was a caravan. It was kind of like NBA Jam. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was I, the same I deal. Like you're a pyre. traveling caravan. You're thinking of pyre. You're thinking pyre, of pyre. Yeah. yeah. No, I wouldn't. Um, tac combat caravan. I think. Well, pyre certainly wasn't tactical combat. It was more of a sports game. Right. But um, I mean, I mean, I guess they're they both have caravans. That's true. Mm. They both have caravans, and they both have incredible presentation. I'll give them both that. Um, the, the, like also the, like the uh, sort of um, Oregon Trail like decision making. Yeah, but there was no Oregon Trail decision making in Pyre. Everything oh, okay. was every every single thing you went into was scripted in Pyre. Oh, okay. But this is sort of that sort of thing. That's certainly the sense I get. I, I get the sense that these are random events, but I'm not sure. Um, and and sometimes something will happen, and and you know you'll lose a guy, but because these are a bunch of varls, and I haven't actually learned all their weird sounding names. Like, I'll just go on and continue the caravan, and then I get into the next fight, and I'm like, where's my guy? My guy was the one who went off the cliff with the car shell, like, that three days dri- ago. That shit drives me nuts. I had no idea that was who they were talking about. When I figured out one of my favorite guys was wounded, and I didn't even look at it, I'm like, no! Yeah. This is all gonna fall apart now. I need his grenades. And the game auto-saves. It auto-saves at the beginning of every chapter, and it seems to auto-save at the beginning of each fight, or each combat encounter. So, uh, like, three days later, when a bunch of other events had happened, and I realized that I'd lost this character, I had to go back to the beginning of the previous chapter to get him back. I was not losing this motherfucker. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's so mm-hmm. good. Um, but now that the... Let the now that, back there. That's right. So now that I'm now that I've kind of wrapped my head around the combat, and by the way, before we got on the podcast here, I just got my ass fucking handed to me. Like I, I went into this fight, I figured, okay, so they're gonna split their forces here and here. There's a choke point here. I'm gonna have this guy stand here and block this choke point. That guy just got his ass kicked. Like, he just so got it, wrecked. So it was like a demoralizing ass kicking, or a, I can see my way around this the second time kind of ass kicking. It, it's a puzzle that I am going to solve. Absolutely, there you go. it really is. And so yeah, I'm. I'm really, really enjoying it now. I'm really glad I returned to it. Um, at the now, what I dislike about it is um, the presentation. Like the presentation of the combat is absolutely beautiful. It is beautiful. It is like hand-drawn rotoscoped animation. It looks incredible. Like every time a human pulls, draws her bow. And, and loses an arrow. It looks spectacular. When these Varl come in and like whip around a giant sword, it looks incredible. And the same is true for every single enemy in the game. Like the amount of detail on the animations, the amount of detail on these little figures on the field, it's it's stunning. It's beautiful. But the information that I need to make my tactical decisions is just a little difficult to parse. Um, that and the save thing, the fact that I can't manually save and manually load that save, um, kind of makes it harder to enjoy. I think it's, I think that de- that design is intentional so that I will be stuck with these decisions that I'm really not sure about, and that's See, what that's a huge part of the game is. Something that that's um, XCOM Two really nailed it. Like that, what, yeah. just like what? It, what kind of damage is this going to do? Mm-hmm. If I move here, will I catch on fire? Like I was never, I never wanted for uh, information. Yes, and and oh, you know exactly what your grenades are going to destroy. Well, you here you know, 
what's good is you know exactly how much or exactly what you're going to do to this enemy with this move. And that's one of the things that pissed me off when I first was that it was telling me these things, but I wasn't seeing it. Like I had a character, I, I, this actually the same character went over the went over the cliff. Uh, he's got an ability called Tempest where he swings his sword around him and does damage to every adjacent tile. And I did not realize that that included allies. <laughs> Yes. So, um, so like now that I kind of understand these things, and that like displacement abilities affect everything along that line that you're displacing, like you will hit allies if you if you decide to. Um, so it's really I love that I love that level of grit, where you, you can shoot your literally shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Um, or in the risk reward with you can use this, but you got to separate them from the group. Yes. And uh, so I'm, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. I'm really hoping we get back to the humans soon because I was enjoying their story a lot I'm more. I'm really hoping I see a Steam sale. It's twenty dollars. Yeah, twenty bucks is a bit steep for a yeah. five-year-old how, game. How long is it? Five years old? I have no idea how long it is. I haven't beaten it yet. Wow. Well, I mean, you said 2014. It's 2018 now, which makes it God, four years, right. which is just about five years. Oof. I'm rounding up. I'm a, you're already at Banner Saga 3. Holy crap. Banner Saga 3 comes out... July 26th. Yeah. To two days. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, there's something else that comes out on the 26th. Okay, too. so Banner Saga discount inbound. When does Chasm come out? We just covered Chasm last week. Chasm launch oh, the... No Man's Sky wants to tell me it's a game now. That's not... July 31st. You want no, man, Twitter is blowing up with No Man's Sky today. But, come on. I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I haven't played it, but I'm just telling you, people are very positive about this new, All right. new thing. And I'm Oops, sure a bunch of Xbox players eternal. are just happy to have the opportunity. The recent reviews are very positive. That's that's right. It's a different game now. They kept mm-hmm. working on it. They just hunkered down and kept working. I mean, they should have taken just two more years. And... Well, okay. Actually, that's an interesting. I saw the first the first interview. I forget the guy's name, but remember that the guy with the beard who was so endearing when he goes up on stage? Yeah, he's, he was good. Yeah, it was adorable. Um, but I read the first interview he did with anyone since launching No Man's Sky. Didn't read the whole thing. Uh-huh. But um, but one of the things that they brought up was he, he says, um, we had to launch No Man's Sky when we did due to multiple factors. Mm-hmm. And if we had just not launched it and kept on working on it for two years, we would not have ended up with something that's as good as what this patch does to the game. Interesting. We we would have kept on adding all the stuff that we wanted to see, and we would have kept on um, kind of refining it as as we desire. And what this is is it is a response to fan feedback, and it's what it's what they say they want, and and as a result, yes, there's multiplayer. There is straight up fucking multiplayer. Uh, you can have a crew of four anytime you want. You can just invite your friends. Um, and there's the patch notes for this thing are apparently a bible. Like I can't get into all the differences because I haven't read into it because I don't care that much, but um, but I, I think it's probably true what he's saying is that if they had held on for another two years, it wouldn't be as good as as No Man's Sky next. Man, that makes a lot of sense to me. Developing just sounds like a nightmare. It does, but you know it's it's one of those labors of love, and for an indie at least, and, I respect uh, them for sticking to their guns. Yeah, I mean, it's they they could have just gone away and done what the, what the fuck was that little trick racing game they they, they did? No idea. Johnny Danger or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, Johnny Rocket or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, so, like they could have just gone and done a third one of that. But no, like they they realize that this genuinely is something special, and people are right to be disappointed. Let's get to work. And yeah, no, I I gotta give them props for that. 
So, uh, given that we're talking about gaming news, I, I guess that means it's time for headlines. I guess it must be. Headlines! <clears throat> in Overwatch news, uh, new tank hero Hammond is now live on platforms for Quick Play and Arcade. I actually, literally in the ten minutes before we started podcasting, I jumped into the, uh, the practice range with him. Okay. I think I might be okay with this guy. Okay. I'm not, like, I'm not, like, you know... What I was most interested in is... I've seen videos of a Hammond, like, grabbing on to the center of a payload and swinging around in an infinite circle. I wanted to understand what I had... Like, could I just attach on and then press forward and hold forward and he would just do that forever? No, that's not how it works, actually. The camera remains in a fixed perspective... And you have to keep on turning the analog stick forward based on which way Hammond is swinging. So you do have to, like, do loops on the analog stick to keep him at top speed as he's swinging around something. So it actually takes a bit of skill. Um, I think he's going to be... He's kind of like the Doomfist of tanks, where if you fuck up one of his cooldowns and you don't have a plan for what happens next, you're just going to die. So, like, but high maneuverability... Uh, the highest, uh, the highest mobility of any tank by far. He's got this sort of like wrecking ball that are swing thing. Yes, yeah. No. He, you, like Hammond will, uh, Hammond will jump forward, turn into a ball, fire a grappling hook into an arch above you, swing himself forward, and be fifty yards ahead of the team in in a second and a half. That sounds like a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, mm. and and then he's got the ground pound, and then he's got these double machine guns when he's not rolling around, and he's got this personal shield to you know let him stay in the fight longer. Um, I do think he's really interesting. The fact that he's a hit scan tank is hugely appealing to me, um, but he's he's not a he's not a protective tank at all. He will never save you from an enemy ult. He will. He's more of like just, a draw fire kind of guy. Yes, he's he's like a smash into these guys, create havoc. Um, but if I'm going to do that, I might as well play Tracer, honestly. Anyway, <laughs> um, it, okay. like a lot of those comment sections are like a lot of a lot of claims at shark jumping. No, I I, I, completely, hamster. I completely disagree. I do um, too. Now, on the one hand, I think there's a legitimate complaint that people look to Overwatch as a beacon of positive representation in modern gaming for a lot of good reasons um, now I think there's definitely a, a negative argument to be made that most of the female heroes in Overwatch have that big beautiful eye Disney princess thing going on and they do yeah they do they are all conventionally attractive women and meanwhile the male characters all have vastly different silhouettes um, you can go like from you know Winston to Roadhog to Reinhardt to McCree to Hanzo they all have very very different silhouettes um, a Symmetra has a very similar silhouette to a Widowmaker and and a Sombra like it's that's kind of disappointing to me I want to see a female character what was the name of that that huge lady from Borderlands 2 ah Ellie yeah, why don't we have a fucking Ellie-style character in Overwatch? There's no reason not to. Anyway, um, no, I don't think that Hammond, a genetically engineered hamster from the moon, is jumping the shark in a game that launched with Winston, a genetically engineered gorilla from the moon. That's what I'm saying. No, the first thing you see when you launch Overwatch is Winston's face. Is Winston talking to you? Is a yeah. fucking talking gorilla? So no, no he... I don't think this is jumping the shark. Not at all. I think you wanted another monkey in your mat. Uh, also live is a ton of uh, general balance changes. First of all, the hitscan heroes, uh, Bastion, McCree, Soldier 76, and Widowmaker, uh, now all have the max range uh, damage reduction on their weapons, 
reduced to only 50% from 30%. So it's a major buff to Bastion, McCree, and Soldier 76. To Widowmaker, it's actually a nerf because she never had damage reduction on her uh, on her Range. machine gun. Hmm. Oh. When she's in the sniper rifle, she still has zero damage reduction. When she's doing the submachine gun thing, now there's damage reduction at range, which is good because it was a little overpowered. Uh, May's icicle no longer has damage reduction, so May is about to get way more powerful. That's a really really cool thing. She can actually do like snipe with, with May, and I don't like that. Yes, you can snipe with May. I'm really really happy about it. Uh, Hanzo had the duration of storm arrows reduced from six to five seconds, and its cooldown increased from eight to ten seconds. Yay! I'm very happy about that. Sombra, major changes for Sombra. Her stealth now lasts indefinitely. She can no longer contest objectives while invisible, and her movement speed buff has been decreased from 70% to 50%. In a lot of ways, it's kind of a nerf. But Translocator now lasts indefinitely. She can remote destroy it. And um, Radius reduced. I don't know what the hell that means. I mean, permanent stealth sounds like a hell of a thing to play it around is, with. It, it is a hell of a thing, but uh, I worry that for Sombras around my level, that will encourage them to be more passive. Because if you're if you don't have to de stealth, maybe you won't. And I, I can see this. Are you just plain invisible, or is there like a shimmer? No, you're plain invisible until you come within a certain distance from an enemy. I believe it's oh, okay. uh, I believe it's four yards or two yards. Um, and then when you're when you're within that two yards, there is kind of like a purple shimmer that someone can shoot. But really, even if some even if you don't see her, if you just put an arrow where she is, she dies. Like you can headshot a somber in stealth. You just gotta get lucky. That sounds really lucky. Yes, um, and actually those are all the changes, but up on PTR there were a ton of changes, including major stuff to the, uh, okay, well, to a lot of stuff. First of all, <clears throat> channeled ultimates like Junkrat's Riptire, Ferris Barrage, Roadhog's Whole Hog, and Zenyatto's Transcendence, and Genji's Dragon Blade and Winston's Primal Rage will now reload the hero's weapons upon use, just like Reaper's Death Blossom does now. Uh, that's really cool. I don't see why we shouldn't do that for fucking uh, Pulse Bomb, assholes. Uh, nano Anna's Nano Boost now instantly heals the target for 300 health. This is a really good thing. Like an Anna can, if a Roadhog is about to die, for example, an Anna can nade him, hit him with Nano Boost. He's at full health now. Um, or it's not uncommon for like a Genji to leap up into the air to Dragon Blade, and he's already been hit with a rocket. He's at like 80 health, and then he gets Nanoed, and then he instantly dies. This will make sure he's actually at full health when he gets Nanoed. It's a good thing. Uh, Bridget Shield Bash had the cooldown increase from six to seven seconds. Yes. Uh, Doomfist Rocket Punch no longer impacts Symmetra's teleporter, now destroys Symmetra's sentry turrets without stopping his movement, don't really care. Hanzo's Lunge cooldown increased from 4 to 5 seconds, yes. Uh, Moira's Biotic Grasp, the energy regeneration rate has been increased from 2 per second to 2.4 per second. Lucio's Crossfade Aura has been increased from 10 to 12 meters. Sound Barrier, his ult, has had the shields increased from 500 to 750, so now he can like really block a diva bomb, basically. Um, Mercy's healing nerfed from 60 healing per second to 50 healing per second. Sombra's head hit box was reduced. Uh, they made a little change to Ryan's barrier shield. They increased the cooldown of Whale's grappling hook from 8 to 10 seconds. Uh, Zarya's energy drain has been reduced, so she won't lose energy as quickly when she's a higher energy. But the radius of Gravitron has been reduced from 8 meters to 6 meters. So that's a real nerf to her. I just think she'll be getting grabs more often with the higher damage. Um, 
And those are the balance changes. Um, Overwatch will be free to play on PC this weekend, July 26th to 30th, but not on consoles. And this week, Overwatch and Nerf revealed the first gun in the Overwatch licensing lineup, Reaper's Hellfire Shotgun. It actually looks pretty cool, to be honest, but uh, it's not a pulse pistol, so I don't care. I would I would not turn down a Borderlands 2 replica gun. I would pay... Which one? Oh, it's like a Jacob pistol? Like, what do you want here? Oh, a Jacob pistol would be sweet. Like a wheel lock, that'd be nice. But, be like, cool. re- really? Maybe, like, a fire Malawan revolver. Yeah, but the thing about... The thing about a, a Borderlands gun is they're all randomly generated. There's there's no quintessential Borderlands gun. There's no iconic Borderlands gun. Oh, but there's a there's a really like distinctive style to everything. I suppose that's true. Oh, like, but, like everything's got their distinct pattern. But I don't think you could make a licensed gun that would please every Borderlands fan. Oh, sure you can. Uh, okay. there's, there's a couple like like original like uh, what's the word commissions on YouTube that are fantastic. Hmm. But those commissions are like like. Seven thousand dollars and no thanks. No, I would not. I would not no. do that. Uh, okay, did you watch that cutscene for Darksiders Three on IGN today? I did. Now, in the past, we have been quite down on Darksiders Three. We've said it looks unfinished at best. Mm-hmm. And we were pretty trepidatious about its impending launch this October. Was it October, November? I think it was November. About that, yeah. Yeah, the twenty seventh. Now, what did you think of this cutscene that IGN put up today? I really liked it. I wouldn't say I really liked it, but how did it make you feel about Darksiders? Darksiders. I don't have a real uh, feel for Furious character yet, but I really like this new guy. She seems angry. She does. She does. It makes sense. Uh-huh. Like I like her acting so far. Uh-huh. No, she she fits in well with the other horse people. Yeah. The other horsemen of the apocalypse. And I love how she's angling to be in charge. Yes. I, the, the thing is, that's the only thing they've told that... Uh, the Gunfire Games have told us about her character that she thinks she should be leading the Horsemen, and that's the only thing this fucking story trailer really told us about her character. So this cutscene told us about her character. So I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get fucking more about about Fury here. But um, I think you hit on it when I when you kind of emailed me back and said the writing. Yeah, the dialogue is good. Like is Darksiders. Yeah, they're telling a story. Like at first you think, oh, this dude who's you know hollowing these people he's a villain well maybe if you want to look at it that way he's not you know unreasonable it's just the he boss has of wants his area. needs yeah. yeah yeah and and yeah fury he'll he'll help you out but by the way there's something you can do for me mm-hmm. you know like just and um and so that yeah that that made me feel a little bit better about dark so 3. much better that's uh, that's what i needed i'm still not convinced they finished it yeah yeah no i agree um, this might be a really good first half and a really interesting second half. Mm-hmm. But or so far, may- maybe the least... whole thing is complete, but it's not quite polished as much as you'd like, you know? Yeah, the acting's it got good actors. Yes. Reading good scripts. Yes. You know, it's really it's really you know genre stuff, but it's good genre stuff. Yeah, it, it it it's it's having fun. It's enjoying what it is, and um, yeah, it made me feel so much better. And I'm not yeah. like. I'm not feeling as strongly positive about this as I was Darksiders 2 before Darksiders 2 uh-uh. launched, but I'm still definitely going to get it. Like, I don't care what the reviews say, I'm going to get it. Yep. Um, yeah. Eventually, for me. But I did... Have you? Did you ever do the New Game Plus for uh, Battle Chasers? Did you finish Battle Chasers? No, never even finished it. Okay, the New Game Plus? I've been chewing away on that. Oh. Really interesting. Okay, go on. It's, it's technically, you know, the highest difficulty... And you don't carry over any experience. You don't carry over any any equipment or gold. And how is it New Game Plus? 
you get to keep all your perk points. You get perk to keep points. all your abilities. Oh. Hmm. So you have all these abilities, but not the levels. No. Interesting. But okay. Once you hit, and at first it seems like, well, I can't earn perk points the old-fashioned way, but maybe I can get you know those like. Was it shadow coins or whatever to get more perk points? But no, once you hit level five, like the first time, you start getting perk points just as regularly as you used to. Oh well. Yeah, and, ba- and he's like, "Well, I got this whole other tree to work with, and I'm starting to unlock like the level 100 perks. Oh, they're good. Like, like this example. one that's like that triples like the amount of shields Gully can do. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. And when she has a shield, she does 50 percent more damage." <laughs> And it's hard as shit. Oh, I should go back to it. But I'm enjoying it. And like, there's like gold level loot that I've never even seen before. Hmm. It's good shit. And that is Airship Syndicate, right? Hmm? I wonder what they've done since. Nothing. Maybe they just kept on supporting it. I sure hope they're not defunct because I really like Battle Chasers. I really, 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 really want another one. Yeah. I just want them to, you know, put clothes on Red Sonia or whatever her name is. Something like that. Her her, her her alternate outfit doesn't help. What? Okay, hang on. I gotta Google this. Okay, what, mm. what's the character's name again? Uh, Red Monica. It's like blue skin now. It's it's this whole thing. Red Monica, Gully's Battle Chaser's name, we're alternative outfit. Yep. And Gully's is like, she puts on a little Calabretto hat. It's awesome. It's pretty much the same. Yeah. Man, why would she wear that? I, it, it, I, yep. Yep, yep, let's just, yep. let's just be disappointed in that and move on. Uh, Microsoft has announced, quote, new Xbox hardware to be revealed at the Gamecom conference in Germany. Uh, people anticipate just, like, new controllers and peripherals and shit. There's no way it's going to be, like, an Xbox One... One XS or something like that. They're really nervous about just saying PS5. I or don't, just Xbox 180. I don't know. I don't think Sony's nervous about that at all. I think um, I, I think they're kind of going full steam ahead with with laying the groundwork for their next gen. I'm hoping we might actually hear about it at E3 next year. That if makes not sense. before. Yeah. Um, online servers for Gravity Rush 2 are now officially offline. I saw that. I'm like, oh, chance is going to get bummed. I am bummed. And, like, it's not like I've played it much post-launch. But now you can't. And, but or, like, now you can't get some some equipment? And, and well, it's not, it's not that I can't get the equipment. It's that one of the funnest parts of the game for me were these, these community-driven challenges that were in the game. There was a really cool thing where, um, where you could find a treasure chest. And then what you would do is you would take a picture of you standing next to the treasure chest, hopefully with enough background in the picture, to lead whoever finds the picture to the treasure chest. Oh, okay, that's neat. Yes, and then you send the picture out there, and next time you log in, maybe ten people will have found your picture, and maybe eight of them will have found the chest. And for everyone who found the chest, you earn a dusty coin. And once you build up, you know, 80 dusty coins, this thing unlocks, and you can get it. And 90, this thing unlocks, and so on and so forth. It was the only way to get dusty coins. And and just doing those, like just finding the chests that other people found in the world, based on their pictures, was a wonderful pastime in this game. One of the great things about Gravity Rush, Gravity Rush was very much kind of an 
in Infamous 2, where I didn't even have to be on a mission. I just loved tooling around this world with these amazing locomotion mechanics. I keep forgetting how good Infamous 2 was. I've never forgotten. And uh, grinding power lines, like, I'm sorry, Second Son didn't have anything close to that. Or just hopping on the cars. Well, no, hopping, you could hop on the cars in Second Son. It was a huge thing in Second Son. Did you like ice or oil better? Ice, because ice gives you the launch. Exactly. Yes, it gives you the locomotion launch. Yeah, absolutely. So ice ice was hella more fun. Um, but yeah, so just tooling around the open world in Gravity Rush was a huge part of that, and was a huge part of just my enjoyment of the game, and these little side things that the community did with the online servers was a huge part of that, facilitating that enjoyment for me. And without it there, I really hope there's some kind of alternative... Sorry, my brother texting me. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm really sad about that, but I still endorse Gravity Rush Two, uh, listener. If you can still a solid enough single player experience. Oh, 100. percent I mean, like obviously, I haven't played it without that being in place, but the mechanics, the presentation, the story, uh, the music. Um, I love that game. I absolutely. So like, love it's that like game. a Dark Souls situation. Like, yes, the multiplayer is interesting, but you don't need it. Oh, I don't think I've ever intentionally done multiplayer in a Souls game. Ever. The messages are, are useful enough. Sometimes, like, but sometimes they like literally make you walk off a cliff. Yeah, but they're easy to spot. Like if a message is too close to a wall, there'll it's be a not, bunch of other. Yeah. There'll be a bunch of other. Yeah, the, the way, I love it when they're like illusory walls. You bang on the wall for five minutes. Fuck you, buddy. Yeah, no, but if, if they're too close to a wall, it can't be because you would be no way to open it. And not only that, but if it's one that's trying to send you off a ledge, there's usually yeah. a bunch of other messages around it saying liar ahead or something uh, like that. My favorite part. Yeah. Um, Technicolor 80s action RPG Crossing Souls is launching on Switch this week, July 26th. Um, let's Metacritic that. Metacritic Crossing Souls. Crossing Souls is one I had my eye on for a long time. Finally launched on PS4, I think it was early this year, actually. Uh, February 13th, 2008. And it is at sitting at 75 on Metacritic, which is not great. Ooh, it's got some hundreds and nineties in here though, uh, which is not great. But look at the, just watch the presentation for that if you have a moment to watch a trailer. Um, mm-hmm. I think the presentation is gorgeous. It it's um, it's trying to riff on kind of like the adventures, the adventure movies, and the feeling of the eighties, um, which you know. Many of our listeners perhaps are too young to <laughs> to be nostalgic for the '80s. I kind of hated the '80s when I was living through them, but uh, the presentation was enough to kind of make me really interested in that. Okay. So yeah, Crossing Souls looks pretty dope. Uh, and finally, Guacamelee Two just announced today. Guacamelee Two launches on PS4 and PC on August 21st. That's I see the one. trailer. It looks like more Guacamelee, which is a great, delicious thing. It looks like really busy guacamelee. It there's looks a like a lot more platforming this time. Yeah, there's there's a lot more platforming. What what's kind of presented on screen is, is is somehow even more vibrant than the original game, which was already like a fucking acid trip. I mean, all I want is another soundtrack. Yeah, give me that, please. I'm I'm a hundred percent that they got uh, the same guy doing the soundtrack. I think it's like Dom DePristo or something. Be news if he wasn't there. Guacamelee to soundtrack. Drink box brings back Rom DePrisco. Yeah, we're just, I'm just gonna look up Rom DePrisco because that's the guy who did the first one. Because I'm pretty sure I saw a thing saying he was coming back. 
Ram de Prisco, welcome me to. I'm just gonna do it. Uh, wow, Peter Chapman was also involved in the original Guacamole soundtrack. Mm. Guacamole original soundtrack. God, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay, uh, Ram de Prisco, Wikipedia. Uh, it might be too windy Discog- to be listed. Discography too windy. Indie. Oh, too. Sometimes indie they to don't listed. update like immediately. Well, actually, the last video game thing on his Wikipedia entry, at least, is Guacamelee in 2013. I was sure. I was He's, sure. He has to. It sounds like the old soundtrack. Yeah, I was. Sh- I was sure. I, I saw a tweet or an article where they confirmed that he was coming back. So I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. So. Guacamelee is really one of the best Metroidvanias of the gen, of the last gen. Um, yeah, that's a that's an absolute day one. It's just a shame it's a whole month away. Will Hollow Knight color your interpretation? Uh, yes. Yeah, and I'm I'm a little bit concerned about that. But Guacamelee does something kind of different than uh, Guacamelee is a lot more lighthearted. Yeah, not only that, but Guacamelee is very much about its about its screen to screen, moment to moment, let's have fun right here gameplay, and Hollow Knight is very much more about Ex- yeah exploration based. Yeah, very much about exploration, very much narrative through exploration, and um, and kind of building I don't, I don't, the complexity of a world the deeper you go into it, and you doing that very much at your own pace. Um, like you can, the way that you can do things um, um, in Hollow Knight, kind of going completely against the designs of the developer, like just exploring at your own pace, going in this direction just because. And like Hollow Knight never tells you where to go. In Guacamelee, there's going to be a fucking sign on the mini maps right, 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 right. right. It's like, a very delineated exactly. order of powers. Exactly, and 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 so yeah, they are very apples and oranges. Um, I probably would go so far as to say that I'm going to enjoy the combat in Guacamelee more. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but you I know, Hollow Knight the is... last boss in the first one, where like you have to like punch his cape. His cape. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, so I, fucking hard. I always think of the last boss as like his final form when he actually like. Oh right, yeah, when he's the... like the. Yeah, and he becomes a giant demon. Yeah, gets a quaddle or something. Oh, that was so good. God, yeah. it was so good. I should go back and play it again. And I'm so sorry that. I don't have a single handheld that's going to have Guacamelee 1 and 2 on it. Uh, like, maybe maybe Switch will get Guacamelee 1 before this. And if, if the Switch gets Guacamelee 1, I really hope it gets Super, Super Turbo Championship Edition. Because that never came to Vita. Oh. Yeah, the DLC is not on a handheld. I think the world is on a handheld. I think the, the additional level is on a handheld, but not like the De- Devil's Challenges and all that shit. Uh, that was in the Super Turbo Championship Edition. But, uh, yeah, Guacamelee is... An all-time classic, and that's probably going to be one of the best indies of the year, or at least it's one like of the best new indies. The twenty-eighth or twenty-first uh, of Jul- of August. August twenty-first okay. of August. Yeah, it's so it's like a month. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, well, and yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all I got. I'm going to see uh, Mamma Mia. Here we go again this weekend. I Paul, I'm sorry. Don't be. What? It'll be. It'll be a good time. Okay, if, it's, if you like Yava, then go for it. I don't. My date will enjoy it. Okay, well, that's... Good a kindness. <laughs> yeah. It's not about the movie, I guess. You. No, it's not about the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's all I got. I'm uh, really fucking hyped to go play some Hammond. I'll go get some Hammond. Or go try to kill some Hammonds. That'll be fun, too. 
Oh man, I didn't even talk about playing Overwatch. I went twenty five and zero. What on a, on a Rialto game? And I think it was Rialto. I think yeah, I think it was a Rialto game. I went twenty five and fucking zero. It was beautiful. Jeez. I know. I know. Wait, what was it? Where you playing as? Tracer. Ah. Yeah. I had I had one where I was attacking on Route sixty six. I came out the Bastion killed me. I came out again the Bastion killed me, and then I came out and just didn't die for the rest of the match. And every time I went into a duel with someone, I just kicked their ass and moved on to the next one. And it got to the point where by the end of the level, and I love it when this happens, when I come up to a doorway, and I just walk out into the middle of the doorway and look at whoever's coming towards me, and they stop. And I just I just continue past the doorway while looking at them, and just like, they're fucking terrified of me. I yeah. love it. I love it. You live because I choose for you to live. I'm going to let you pass. <laughs> yeah. So? Yeah. That's all I got for this week. Uh, Alex, thank you very much for joining me. I will always be here. Unless I can't. But then I'll let you know. That's understandable. And good communication. It's a cornerstone of a relationship. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you in a week. But um bum